Praise God. We love you. We thank you for being here tonight. It is a a delight, an extreme honor to have Brother Stone King with us this weekend. I know that something moved today in our service, and I believe that what we are experiencing tonight is a continuation of that. Something great's going to happen before the night's over, Brother Stone King. We're so happy you're here. Make yourself at home. Let's see what God has for us. That sounds very good. Why don't you do that for Jesus? Jesus, I worship you because you are God. Jesus, by the authority of your word, by the power of the name of the Lord Jesus. In the sound, would you take a lot of that bass out of there and give me a lot more treble? It'll be easy for them to understand what I'm saying. Thank you so much. You know me because you see me. You've listened to me on CDs, watched me on DVDs, conferences, etc. But you don't really know what it was that catapulted me into the place where I am today. Something happened to me in the early 1970s that changed my life forever. So tonight, this message is affectionately dedicated to any man or woman or young person here who really wants to be used by God. Mm. Let your voice out and just... Receive that for a moment. Jesus, I worship you because you are God. As points of reference, I just want to read to you from the book of Isaiah chapter 35. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 35, beginning at verse 1, I just want to read sketchily for you. It says, The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Carmel, and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Then if you look in verse 5, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as in heart and the tongue of the dumb sing. Mm. For in the wilderness shall waters break out springs in the desert then if you look at 
Matthew chapter 7. If you were to pick up my Bible and look through it, you would notice that there are certain little initials besides some verses. Those initials are TP. That means tried and proven. These two verses are initialed. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Again, the last chapter of the Gospel of Mark, verses 17 and 18, these verses are initialed. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They, believers, shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Thus it is written, and thus it is. There's a spirit of rejoicing in this place tonight. So go ahead and just rejoice for a moment and just clap for the Lord because there is great expectancy in this place. And Jesus blessed and wonderful name. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. With what energy you've got left, would you clap one more time and just shout with your voice? Because Jesus is in this place. And where Jesus is, anything can happen. Anything is possible in the presence of the Lord. My mother taught me as a child that the Jews were God's chosen people. So I grew up understanding those things. And because of that, Judaism has always been of great interest to me. I've been to Israel 23 times. I speak enough Hebrew I can get around when I'm there. Hebrew is a beautiful language. In fact, the Orthodox Jews in Jerusalem believe that Hebrew was the language that God gave Adam and Eve. It has a great, great history surrounding it. But the Jews refer to themselves as the people of the book. They refer to Israel as the land of the book. So in their culture, Bible study is the number one pastime. The Bible is taught in the public schools in Israel, including the New Testament. In fact, in their prisons, the prisoners do not while away the time playing checkers or chess. They compete in Bible quizzing. They literally are the people of the book. They literally live in that realm. In fact, when you go to Israel, it's like being in one gigantic outdoor cathedral. The sky is the ceiling and the whole place It's just church. You can dance and shout on any street in Israel and nobody thinks you're strange. 
You can clap. You can become emotional. You can do what you want to do. Because if you really believe that book, it's in the book. Clapping is in the book. Shouting is in the book. Dancing is in the book. Running is in the book. Preaching is in the book. We are people of the book. Clap your hands again and rejoice in that revelation. I went right off to Bible college. I graduated from Bible school in 1967 and ended up in upstate New York. Once I got settled in that area, I began to check out various Jewish books. And there are a lot of things that are very interesting, glorious things you can read about the land and the culture and their history, etc. Some of those books, um, and I've got some great Jewish books in my library in my home. But there was one book written by Dr. Martin Buber. This man is considered to be somewhat of a modern-day prophet to the present state of Israel because at the turn of the last century, he was on a ship in the Mediterranean Sea, and he looked at the Mount Carmel mountain range, which was just a mountainous top, and he saw a city there. And there were tall poles with what he called lights on the top, like glowing lights. They looked like clusters of fruit. That's how he explained it. It was a vision. And there were, there were, uh, horseless carriages in the streets with eyes of flaming fire. Like automobiles is what he was seeing, but didn't know what it was. In the end result, his revelation or his vision was print in print. And it came to pass as he saw. And I've been to Haifa a number of times. It looks exactly as he described in his particular vision. So he's considered to be somewhat, I repeat, reiterate, a modern-day prophet to the present state of Israel. In the course of his writing, I came across something that changed my life forever. This is what he said. He said, we know the prophets of old spake. As God spoke, we know the scriptures are true. We know the prophecies will come to pass. We know the desert will blossom as a rose. We know God spoke to the prophets. The prophets spoke to us. We know the promises are true. We know the prophecies are true. But, he said, the spirit moves so slow. He said, so... We'll make it happen. We'll make the scriptures come to pass. We'll make the prophecies come to pass. I never heard anything like that. He said, what we'll do is we will send people into the desert. We'll send our youth into the desert. They will dig ditches. They will carry water. They will plant trees. We will turn the desert into an oasis. We will turn the desert into a garden of Eden. We will make the scriptures come to pass. We will make the prophecies come to pass. And so in Israel, every man, every woman has to join the army. 
Those who do not want to bear arms, they still have to serve two years. But they go into the desert carrying buckets and digging ditches and watering and planting palm trees and roses and whatever. So I have met people on the tours I've hosted there. And I've been there. I've hosted uh, 20, 22 tours myself. But anyway... Along the road between Jerusalem and going down into the the Dead Sea area, I've seen young soldiers out and they're carrying buckets and things. And I have made the driver stop and pick them up and help those guys get to where they're going. And it's interesting because they are dedicated to what they're doing. They are dedicated to what they're doing. And literally, they have gone, they went up to north of the Sea of Galilee. There used to be a Lake Hula, but it was infested with malaria. And the Hebrew children went in there to drain the swamp, and the Arabs laughed at them and called them children of death. But those Jews went in there, and they drained that swamp, and they turned it into the Hula Valley. It is one of the most beautiful places you have ever viewed or looked upon. They changed that entire area. They made it come to pass. They made it happen. They made the prophecies come to pass. And I sat down one day, and I got to thinking. I thought, you know what? If those Jews who do not know... Who the Messiah is. If they can go out and make the scriptures come to pass. And if they can dig ditches and smash their thumb and curse. And there are no curse words in Hebrew. They have to borrow them from the Arabic language. But if they curse and swear and help make the scriptures come to pass, I thought, my God in heaven, what should I be doing with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, the revelation of the oneness of God, what should I be doing with my life? So I made up my mind. I said one day, I'll make this thing happen. I'll make it happen. I'll do the things that will force the hand of God. He said, because if you go, I'll go with you. If you preach it, I'll back it. If you lay hands on, I'll heal. I'll make it happen. I'll do the things that will force the hand of God because it is written. It is written. I will stand upon what is written. If I can find it in the book, I'm going to practice it. If it's in the book, I'm going to do it. We need to get beyond all the nonsense. We need to get a hold of this thing and pull it out and say, I'm one of them. I'm going to preach it. I'm going to tell it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to demonstrate it. It doesn't matter anymore what anybody else thinks. This is that. Another that is not coming. So get into it and get everything you can out of it. Tap your hands again and shout, shout, shout with your voice. Ah. I made up my mind, I will make this thing come to pass. Because he said, if you will pray, I will answer. If you lay hands on, I will heal. So I began. At that time I was pastoring in upstate New York, way back there. And they invited me down to Staten Island to preach a revival in Staten Island. So I went. 
That place is one wicked place. I'm telling you, it felt to me like there were devils hanging from the light poles just laughing at you when you walked by. It was unreal. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Greater. Everyone say greater. Say, I've got that greater. His name is Jesus. Shout, Jesus. Jesus. As I said Friday night, you shout the name of Jesus and the air trembles. Everything trembles. So the first night of that revival in Staten Island, I preached faith. I preached positiveness. And God could do things. We had a move of God. It was tremendous. But the second night I came back. You know, it would be wonderful if we could begin this service the way the last one ended. We start over every time we come. It takes a lot of energy. (laughs) So here they were. Not one new visitor. Same group. Need to be inspired. (laughs) So when they introduced me, I stepped in the pulpit. I said, well, it's obvious you didn't get what I preached last night. Because if you had have gotten it, there'd be visitors here tonight and you'd be worshiping different. You didn't get it. I said, so I'm going to preach tonight exactly the same message I preached last night. Maybe you'll get it tonight. And I went at it. I mean, I preached it. And one woman got it. People, that's all it takes. Just one person in your congregation to get it. And it will change your entire church forever. Clap again. Rejoice in that understanding because there are people here tonight. I pray, trust, believe that you will be changed by the touch of the master's hand with revelation, insight, understanding. One woman got it. The next day she was in her home in Staten Island about noonie somewhere like that doing dishes at the sink. All of a sudden, she heard this crash in the front of her house. She just dropped everything, didn't take off the apron, ran to the front window, looked out over the street, and a, a, a cop on a motorcycle had been hit by a car and thrown off into the gutter. She threw the door open, ran out into the street, fell down on her knees beside him, put her hands on his chest, and began to pray and speak with tongues. Yeah. When the paramedics came, they had to pull her away. And they took him off to the hospital. The next day, she was doing something again around noon, knocking the door. She opened the door. It was the cop. He said, ma'am, I have come to find out what it is you have a hold of that when I got to the hospital, there was no injury, no broken bones. (laughs) 
she got it. I'll tell you what it is she has. She's got the Holy Ghost and fire. She's got the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I feel like shouting with her. I've got the name. I've got the spirit. I've got this power. I've got this revelation. I've got this insight. Oh. Oh. So I became very bold and I kept at it. Then I was in Newark, Ohio. And I had, it was a big Sunday school conference of some kind. And, uh, I was the speaker. And so they had all this, these people coming from all over the state. Well, I preached faith and this type of thing. And at the very end of the service, they brought a man up to me, the worst case in the whole auditorium. His, his, his arms were locked together like this. You couldn't get a finger between his arms and his ribcage. It was just a terrible situation. They brought him up to me in front of everybody who wanted me to pray for him. Well, you preached it. <laughs> so, I laid hands on him and prayed for him. And thank God he fell out and I got the pressure off of me. And I climbed over him and did a bunch of other things. Wonderful. God is so great. He's so merciful. It was just amazing. Well, at the end of the service, the man walked up to me. He was walking straight. He said, Brother Stone King, look. Totally healed. Oh. I was in one meeting, a woman listened to me preach. She walked up to me. She said, Brother Stone King, I want what you've got. I said, here it comes. In Jesus' name, she fell out on the floor speaking with tongues. She was a visitor. You want what I've got? Here it comes. You can have what I've got. You can have what I've got. It's alive inside of you right now. I was, even in my first years of pastoring in upstate New York, I did, I pitched a tent. We had a tent revival going. And we were poor. We were home missionaries and all that business. And the tent had rips and tears in it. It was the best we had. So we pitched it in the Mount Carmel uh, area. And... Um, it's, it's a, it's a whole residential area. There are eight Roman Catholic churches in that Mount Pleasant area. It's Mount Pleasant rather than Mount Carmel. Mount Pleasant. It's just amazing. There are all those people in there. Well, the Catholic church was not happy with us because we had pitched this tent and their people were coming. <laughs> and they were getting the Holy Ghost. So, they sent a priest. One night. And he was drunk. He was drunk. He stumbled in. And I knew he was in bad shape. So he told me what he wanted. I said, well, look. 
I think I better take you to the rectory. You need to go back. I need to get you back where you belong. So I took him there. <laughs> then another night, three guys came stomping down that little grassy aisle. They were going to do me in. <laughs> I just stood there. And they had made their brags out there, you know, outside the tent of what they're going to do, all this type of thing. They came marching down. They got just right there to the, the, the front row of those folding chairs we had there. And all of a sudden, that one man, his knees began to shake and tremble. And they turned and ran. I found out later the reason they did is because they saw a tall white angel standing beside me people you're not alone I'm not alone we're not alone in this the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him you feel like shouting do it just a little bit wonderful wonderful rejoice So we kept preaching, and more and more things happened. Finally, the chief of police downtown Schenectady called me to come down to his office. So <laughs> I had a young convert with me. Tommy was his name. I won him to the Lord. He was an out-and-out -out hippie. I run his whole family. I got his mother, father, brothers, sisters. I got won the whole family. So Tommy had been really bad into LSD. He was really into all that stuff. But he was totally converted. Had an incredible experience with God. Got the Holy Ghost. He got drunk on the Spirit. It was just amazing. He spoke with tongues for hours. So I had him. I said, Tommy, I want you to go with me. So he went with me. We went down to the chief of police's office. I walked in and... He looked the part, this chief of police, he looked the part. He was a big burly guy like this, sitting behind that desk, you know, big hands and, and uh, all of that. And I said, I said, Your Honor, you've asked for me to come, my Reverend Stone King. He said, oh, yes. He said, what are you doing over there in that tent? I said, well, let me tell you what we're doing. I said to Tommy, tell him what God has done for you. The Holy Ghost came on Tommy. He was anointed. He began to tell how he was hooked on LSD and various drugs and could not get free. But when he got the Holy Ghost, he had totally become free and delivered. I'm not exaggerating. The Holy Ghost came in his, that man's office and that his big old hands began to shake like that on, on the table, on the desk in front of him. He said, now, Reverend, you, you need to go. You need. I said, no, I want to tell you something else. And so I said, I said, Your Honor, listen to me. His parents couldn't help him. The school system couldn't help him. You couldn't help him. But Jesus did. 
Jesus did. <clears throat> that chief of police said, Reverend, go. He said, I will send cop cars every night to police the whole area to protect you. We had police protection every night for as long as I wanted to stay. Let me tell you something, people. This Jesus will make a way where there is no way. He is a way maker. Oh, I was in one meeting in California. I had preached faith like this, and I was in the car. They were driving me away, and somebody came running across the parking lot, some guy. He said, Brother Stone King, you've got to get a hold of me. He threw his arm into the window because of the car, of course. He threw his arm in the window. I grabbed his arm and his head and commanded in Jesus' name, and God healed him right there outside the car. People, you don't have to be in church with the choir singing to be used by God. You've got the power inside of you. You can take this to the grocery store. You can take it to the bank. You can take it wherever you go. So through the years, I've seen amazing miracles of God, wonderful things, because I just stand on the Word of God. I believe it. I'll make it happen. So I was preaching this across the country back in those years. I went to Newark, Ohio. Now, it was Brother Jax's church in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. That's where it was. And the, the place was packed. It wasn't a big auditorium, but there were probably 150 people there, something like that. And the people were standing against the wall at the back. There were so many people. So I was accustomed to that. And they even had chairs in the aisles, and they were filled. But while I was in the pulpit, I saw in that back entrance door into the auditorium, they pushed a man in in a wheelchair. He was slumped like this. He was very spastic. And I could see this. But there was no place for him at the back. The people were jammed in against the wall. So they stayed there for maybe five minutes. And I was still busy working and praying with people on the altar. I looked up. And they were pushing this man in the wheelchair down that aisle. Pushing the people. They were making a way through the aisle to get this man in the wheelchair to me so I knew they wanted me to pray for him or he wanted me to pray for him so when I was over here in this area but they got him to this point and when he got him over here I went over to him and in my way of doing things I knelt down on the on my knees and I said to him I said what happened to you and very spastically he told me the story of how he had been hit by a car on a motorcycle. And when they picked him up, they left part of his brain on the paving. 
And he was in the hospital, paralyzed from his neck down. So they called his wife to tell her what had happened. She came with their little daughter to the hospital. And she stood there. His name was Bob Stotler. He couldn't, he couldn't speak. He couldn't do anything. But he could hear his mind. He understood. His brain was sharp, clear. They told him medically what the prognosis was. And the prognosis was that he would just be a vegetable for the rest of his life and that there was nothing they could do to help him. So she asked for a mercy divorce at his bedside in the hospital. And it was granted to her. He told me later, he said, Brother Strong King, when she walked away, he said, my brain told my arms, reach for her. But the wires were cut between the brain and the arms. The arms could not reach. He said, my brain told my feet and legs, get, turn yourself out of this bed, run after her. But the wires were cut, so to speak, between the brain and the legs, and the legs could not get the message. So she walked out and left him there. I sometimes am very concerned about us as a people. Jesus is the head. We are the body. If you listen very carefully, there are some of the strongest signals coming from the head to this body that I have heard or felt in 55 years of had the Holy Ghost trying to get this body to move. But the body is paralyzed with lethargy, complacency, worldliness, and corruption. But the head is just sending signals, messages, God Help us. So at this point, I knew Bob's story. And I said to him, I said, look, you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Would you like to have the Holy Ghost? He said, yes. And his head was just, you know. And I said, I want you to repent. And he did. It was amazing. I said, now, I want you just to begin to worship, and I'll pray with you. I won't leave you. I'll pray with you. God's going to give you the Holy Ghost. Ladies and gentlemen, people, I'm not exaggerating. In less than five minutes, that boy was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking with tongues. I mean, he absolutely was gloriously filled with the Holy Ghost. But once that happened, I said to him, I said, Bob, would you like to walk? He said, oh, yes, Brother Stone King, I want to walk. I said, well, look, <clears throat> I'm going to pull you out of the wheelchair. You, you read in there, they pulled him up at the gate, right? They did that. Yeah. I said, I'm going to pull you up. I'll put your arm through my arm. I will not let you fall. So don't, don't be afraid. I pulled him up. And my, my pastor, Brother Butcher, and his wife from Des Moines, Iowa, 
they were on a vacation. They came through in that revival there in Reynoldsburg to be with me. So Brother Butcher knows how I operate. And so he got, he got up right away and got on the other side of Bob. So we began to walk with him. Well, he had not walked in so long. The muscles in his legs were atrophied. And it was, it was really something. I had to get down on the floor. You know, if we weren't so worried about how we look, we could get so many things done for God. But I got down on the floor. I took a hold of his feet and pointed his shoes in the right direction. Got up, took a hold of his arm, began to walk. We were dragging him is what we were doing. We were dragging him. But he wanted to walk. So he all the way down. Every step we took, I kept saying, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. That's where it's at. In Jesus' name, 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 in Jesus' name. Brother Hughes, I would get down and turn his feet and shoes around and point his toes in this direction, and we'd start again, in Jesus' name. I don't know how many times we went back and forth. I don't know. But there was at one point when we turned here and I got down and pointed his shoes forward. We got about halfway across and he was getting to be heavy. And I stopped and this is what I said. I said, Jesus, you've got to do it. Your word says so. You've got to do it. I have preached it. There's nothing else I can do. I can't heal him. You've got to do it. And I just kept pushing like that. All of a sudden, Bob caught his own weight. And I knew, I knew that God had healed him. So now he's walking on his own. He's walking on his own. And we helped him turn around. But I wouldn't let go of him. I held on to his hand because he hadn't walked. I didn't want him to lose his balance and fall. So we kept going back. I know we walked him back two or three times like that. And the people were cheering. People were clapping. People were weeping. And people, once there's a miracle like that, it spreads to the whole congregation. All kinds of things happen. There were all kinds of healings in the place that night. So I turned him around one more time. And we got about, I don't know, a third of the way across. And I said, Bob, you must be very tired. Would you like to be seated again? I'll help you back to the chair. He said, no, Brother Stone King. He said, it's been so long since I have stood. Just let me stand. I said, Okay. And I never did find out where he learned this. But he turned and looked in my eyes. He said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. (laughs) He walked out of that meeting that night pushing the wheelchair.
totally healed. And every time I would come back to that area to preach, if he was within 50 miles of it, he would come drive to the meeting and he would walk in, usually a little bit late. And when he would walk in, I'd tell the story real quickly. And people would stand and give him a standing ovation. And he would come and he would worship with us. What happened was, a few years later, his little girl had grown up. He brought her to a meeting where I was. And I prayed her through to the Holy Ghost. She got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Jesus is something. Jesus is something. The last I heard, he was driving his truck. He became a preacher. And he's preaching the gospel. Make it happen. Make it happen. Make it happen. The power is in you to make it happen. To make it happen. To make it happen. Right now, there's an anointing upon you as a believer. If you get a hold of someone and begin to pray, they will be miraculously healed. You don't need me to do it. You have the power. You have the power. Make it happen in this place tonight. That's it. Let your voice out. Miracles are happening right now. Miracles are happening right now. People are being healed of heart disease. Cancer cells are being burned out right now in the name of Jesus. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. It's got a hold of you. That's what I'm talking about. That's it right there. That's it. That's it right there. In the name of Jesus. Oh, 
You may feel like getting out of your seat. You may want to get out of your seat and go across the aisle or come forward. But everybody get a hold of somebody. There's an anointing upon you. You've got to touch it while it's here. You've got to get in while the water is being troubled. You've got to get in now because the water is being troubled. Don't wait till later. Get in now because you may never feel again what you feel right now at this moment in time. Don't lose it. Don't miss it. That's it. Young people, get a hold of each other. There's an anointing upon the youth in this congregation, in this area, this entire area. That's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. By the authority, by the authority of the word of God, by the power of the name of Jesus. Yes, in the name of Jesus. That's it, that's it, that's it. Some of you older saints, you may not have the energy, but if you'll just reach out and touch somebody, there's a lifetime of prayer, years of prayer swirling around your body. You grandmothers, you grandfathers, get a hold of somebody. Power, power from your life will go to them. Oh, <laughs> 